the Betfair Exchange. More ways to bet, more ways to win. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong Podcast. The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com. Complete with race cards, stable tours and tips from our top team. Visit AtTheRaces.com, racing's leading website today. Oh, it's good to be back on the Final Furlong Podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Demish Kennedy, alongside my partner in crime from Betfair, Miss Jess Stafford. Hello. Welcome back. How are you holding up during lockdown? I'm good. It was suddenly May. I don't know where that came from. It's nearly June. I'm, I don't know how it's... Where's that? What, what happened to time? I'm pretty certain it's March 49th. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't even know what day it is. I'm being told it's Wednesday as we record. Uh, we're also joined. I must say this is overdue, but delighted that uh, she has returned. One of the, if not the, best pundits in Irish racing, Jane Mangan. It's quite the introduction. I, I share those sentiments, Jeff. I don't know. We're headed into the summer, but it still feels like um, like March. We well, have. Well, last time we spoke, it was. We were, <laughs> it was, yeah. it was, we were reviewing the Gold Cup day. And I think it was one of the first days of lockdown or something that it all went out. That was the last time yes, we spoke. Yes, we were speculating whether how long Irish racing would last. And it lasted 10 or so meetings. 10 meetings. Um, 10 meetings behind closed and doors. 87 last fixtures later. Here we are. Yeah, and a long, long time ha- has gone since then. Actually, we just may as well start with that because you've brought us nicely into it. We want to talk about France as well. But the, the Irish industry, uh, Jess and Jane, we're back, but not until the 8th of June. And there's been a bit of quiet discontent, I suppose, is the way of putting it, Jane. There, there are some who are getting on with it and are like, this is great. But I thought Joseph O'Brien's comments were very interesting. Nobody's celebrating this. A uh, lot of dates lost. And there is a feeling amongst some within the industry and particularly in the media that HRI didn't campaign this in the right way, that they they should have been really focusing on, on Tishak Radker, on the Chief Medical Officer, Tony Houlihan, and on the Minister for Health, Simon Harris. And they would be the, really the trio that are key here, not the Minister for Sport, not the Minister for Agriculture. And instead of talking about the economic benefits of it, focusing on the fact that we did this correctly and it did work behind closed doors for 10 meetings. So Ger Lines was being asked on Sky Sports Racing yesterday by Alex Hammond, do you feel that racing in Ireland is on the back foot now that we're starting on the 8th of June? What What's your feeling on that? Honestly, Emmett, I don't know. Um, could they have handled it better? Undoubtedly. Um, I think the what's very dangerous, and it was very paramount, as soon as racing had closed, the speculation was when it would restart. You turned on the news every evening and it was bad news. So people were inevitably trying to find the silver lining. So you had people speculating, rumors started, WhatsApp messages spread, and it was pure, it was a virus in itself, the propaganda and essentially lies that was going through the industry. Some people were hearing the 8th of May, some people were hearing the 28th of May. And then I suppose when the Taoiseach's, basically he he announced his phasing plan and and we realized we were on phase three, we, it was a sucker punch that took the wind from the lungs of everybody in the industry because people had been waiting on their sales horses, freeze up horses, race horses. People were keeping horses in training because they had heard X about Y. And essentially the fact that there was no statement and it was a, basically a statement of silence from HRI 
it was really, really worrying. Uh, in, in a time when people's mindsets needed a little bit of reassurance, there was none. And I appreciate that people, it, obviously HRI took the stance that until we have something solid, we're not going to say anything. But by taking that, that stance, it allowed the whispers to get a little bit louder. Had they said, we're working on it and we're lobbying as best we can, but at this stage, we have no definite outcome. That would have at least satisfied the thirst that we can't tell an owner to keep his horse in training because racing is coming back when. Because if HRI didn't have a date, nobody had a date. And that is that is all I would say. I'm not at government level. I'm not nearly at the level of the top tier. And I don't know even begin to know how they work. But I'm sure that the ear of Leo Varadkar, Simon Harris and Dr. Hoolan was in a completely different zone to racing. We were an industry trying to be heard, but it's not very, it's not easy when people around the country are dying. But I just thought that the administrators or the head of our sport needed to look after the people who keep this circle moving, that keep the animals in, in their care, keep the staff on their payroll. They needed to be looked after better. And I think it's something we need to learn from. Very much so. It also is quite, and, and a horse agrees. Who is that horse? Yeah, that's a very good, that's Zoom for you now. I, I have a mare on my right and uh, she's uh, she's barren at the moment. She's waiting to be covered. And she's like, get on with it, Kavanaugh. Sort it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sort it out. She agrees with me. She said we didn't know what was going on. What's her name? Oscar Bird. She's actually at my brother's mare. She's after breeding a few winners. Oh, well, no star yet, though. Well, well the star's on the way. Uh, Oscar Bird, very much in agreement there with, with Jane. I, I would say that that week of going silent did nobody any favours. Uh, I understand that there's an awful lot of pressure in that job, but it seemed as though HRI were on the back foot when it was announced that there will be no events of 5,000 people or more until September. That could even be stretched to longer. They were on the back foot then. They were on the back foot when racing wasn't mentioned. Uh, and then Antishak Leo Radker suddenly announces on Friday, oh, well, we never actually specifically mentioned racing, so we're back. So clearly th they eventually got to it, but you could argue three weeks too late. Um, look, we're there but now. Had, um, had people in charge said that they didn't know, then that would have stemmed the, the rumours that we were hearing. Yeah. If he... Jirai didn't know, then nobody knew. So the fella down the road with three horses in, and he, he definitely doesn't know if Brian Kavanagh doesn't know. Yeah. So it, it would have just stemmed all, essentially, rumours that were circulating as soon as racing stopped. There was speculation as to when it would start. And they were aware of that. They knew that was happening. And Richard Forstall wrote about this, that there was communication with those, with some of the elite trainers but there wasn't communication with everybody. And it is one for all. And if, if you as an individual cannot make a phone call to everybody, then delegate. Delegate and contact everyone and reassure them and let them know. Because we know for a fact that horses were taken out of training uh, because owners were like, well, look, I can't afford to keep a horse in training if it can't run. And there was a huge confusion with national hunt racing. Like it's bad enough that the national hunt season had to be curtailed and that we lost the 150th running of the Irish Grand National. So the Ferry House meeting was gone. Pontchastown was gone. But then there was talk that flat racing will come back and it'll be a month of flat racing only and then we'll look at the jumps. And Gordon Elliott, to his credit, came out and spoke out about that and said, that's not good enough. 
That is not, there, there are trainers yeah. who depend on summer jumping. Uh, now we're going to get it two weeks afterwards. So there's that as well, but it, it hasn't been handled very well. Um, but look, we resume, we can look forward to that. And the first racing that we will get, uh, Jess, that we can look forward to will be live on Sky Sports Racing. Newcastle, first of June. Um, there is just a, there is a there's a slight issue in the back of my head about whether or not we're really going to be able to run in the UK. Well, the real thing is, and so echo everything that Jane has said, that we've got in Europe from a racing perspective, we've got France, and we're watching very closely how they've been developing, and they've gone through a bit of a roller coaster recently. Ooh. We've got ourselves, well, UK, and then Ireland. Every totally different jurisdictions run in different ways all going through the same issue um but having to navigate through it in their own style and the one thing that i've learned from looking at all three jurisdictions is that communication 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 that is the key who have done that really well regardless of having a nightmare and a roller coaster is france France Gallo have been very as clear as they can be in difficult situations. Last night being uh, an obvious one, you know, they were told that the Parisian tracks and and the tracks on the east would have to close suddenly out of nowhere after racing what seemed to be quite well for 10 days and that everything, you know, had to cease. And very quickly and very eloquently, uh, the France Gallo authorities had a plan B that they obviously had had in the back of their mind and they communicated it effectively out that the racing could resume up in the Normandy area and all the main races wouldn't be lost and Deauville is going to be very much profiled. And there wasn't this hearsay and this what if and what what happened. There was there was no time for that. It was just solved and, and sorted. Yes, I'm sure they've had their own issues over the course of the last couple of months and speaking to various members of the racing industry there. They're disappointed with the loss of prize money, etc., which we all will have to face. But as we've as we've heard and as we've seen, the blank, like the dark mass of emptiness and nothing and no noise and no, no comms is just puts people on edge, makes, it does not help anyone, means horses get pulled when they shouldn't have done. And then you get into sort of Twitter debates. I saw last week that people were suddenly saying, oh, racing is going to turn Ireland on whatever the 23rd of May. And then suddenly, no, it was the 8th of May. And where are people getting this from? They're yeah. not getting it from anywhere. They're just spouting it out. But then after all this nothingness, the T-Sook said from his own mouth, he said racing could come back. And that gives me more confidence than nearly I have for UK racing, where, yes, we've got this 1st of June deadline that our sports minister, Oliver Dowden, has um, communicated to us. But it's just an assumption we're basing off of what was mentioned and what was said about 10 days ago. Yes, the, the rate of infection is probably hoping that, you know, the R rate is on a, on a downward trajectory, but I, I feel every day is a big day. We've still got a long way to go. Bet for exchange has at the moment 1.39 for bet for UK racing to resume on or before 1st of June. That's a 70% chance. Good sign. But there's a, th- there's a 30, there, that is, but there's a 30% chance that it, uh, that it won't, and it still concerns me that we've 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 got we do have a bit of a bit of time to go. But look, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I want to keep positive, and I assume we all have to. Um, but as we saw in France yesterday, we're going to have to be prepared to end or stop or 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 or, or, or close our doors in some places as, as soon as we are 
ready to restart again. Uh, to do the old tweet translate, I'm not even going to pretend that I translated this into English myself. Obviously, I just clicked translate into English, please. Edward the Rothschild, uh, who's the CEO of France Gallo, and Olivier Delois were in shock at uh, the announcement from France yesterday. Inexplicable and irrational. I will not give up. I am proud of your exemplary behaviour behind closed doors since the 11th of May and the colossal work provided by our teams for more than two months. Responsive we are and responsive we will be. Long live our horse racing. Uh, it's a real stunning development, Jess, in France because when Laurent uh, Barbaran was on the show and he was talking about the measures that were taken in, in place. Bizarrely, the day after that podcast went live, that was when Ligue 1, uh, French football, launched an objection saying, hey, why are you guys coming back and we can't? And it's apples and oranges. It's a contact sport versus, um, technically speaking, a non-contact sport. And and they, they saw that through. But out of nowhere, red zones and green zones have been introduced and Paris Longchamp that looked to be absolutely fine, gone. Yeah, I mean, the red zone and the green zone has always been a thing, has always been like before racing resumed again, there was very much red and green zones. And we, we knew that, that Paris was part of the red zones, but that racing in the Parisian era could resume. The, the, you know, the French, um, the principles of, of racing in France is, it comes from the Ministry of Agriculture, which we've touched on before. Mm. So the football and the other leagues and the other um, sporting bodies, they aren't kind of educated or up to speed yet on why racing is allowed to continue and it's not it's a sport yes but it's also an industry and it's based under the agricultural department for that reason so you know having throwing your to toys out of the pram for that you've got to see why it, why it happened like you can't just come full circle afterwards what's happened over the last day or so it seems to be and what i've heard from French trainers is a, a political issue. There's been no issue at all with the actual racing. Um, everyone's been uh, adhering to the guidelines and the restrictions and um, social distancing. It looks from where we've been sitting and what we've heard and Laurent would be the first to say, and I've been sort of tweet, tweet messaging him to get his insight, said that there's nothing that's well, you would have seen alarmingly have, have been a reason why we'd have to end so soon. You know, a positive test would be an obvious one. So it, it is confusing um, why and how this has happened, but it just goes to show that we are at the mercy of those much higher, much more, much more senior. So all the issues and arguments that we've had around the BHA and Nick Rust and whether he should be in, in charge and all of that, it doesn't matter. The, the government will decide, the government will make their decisions and we're at the mercy of them. And that's the way it will be. We're also at the mercy of this virus because no matter what our respective healthcare systems have done, and I think they've all done a, a fantastic job, um, I think the Irish government deserve mostly a lot of praise for how they've handled this. But the more I study this, and the more I read about it, the, the more you have to accept the fact that we kind of have to just live with this now. We don't have a vaccine. We don't have a cure. Mm. It doesn't look as though one is on the horizon. There's been some promising studies in terms of animal testing for certain labs, but there's a lot of epidemiologists who are just saying, we're just going to have to accept the fact that this is, this is here now. It's part of life. And we're going to have to work out a system of, of living around it. Um, and that's quite scary because the rug could be pulled out of all sports at any moment then, Jess. 
Oh, totally. And I agree with you. We have to accept it. And I think when it comes to, and we'll probably get to it, um, when, you know, UK horses and Irish horses going over to each country and um, having to do a two-week uh, process of, um, of, of, of of deadlines of being able to come back into racing after being in, in each jurisdiction, you, you've, you've got to realise, like, we have we're lucky to even have the sport pushing ourselves to say look oh but now uh mr t-shock and mr prime minister we also want our horses to race in each other each country and we want you to give special dispensation for our jockeys we don't want and it we demand it we demand it because otherwise you know look we're lucky to get racing back quarantine issues like you can't make more and more and more there's going to be wanted like we are we've got our classics now We've got racing back. Let's make the most of it and be lucky that we've got it because looking last, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we wouldn't have had anything at all. So Jane, that point that I was making earlier on about foreign horses, like so Irish horses racing in the UK, UK horses racing in, in Ireland. We know in France, it's not going to happen for the French guineas. Aidan O'Brien talked about that. He also talked about the horses that he's looking at for the French, for the, sorry, for the UK 2000 guineas. Oh, my mouth words are failing me already. Let me just get some caffeine. Apologies. Oh, there we go. Now I'll be fine with a five espressos in me. Um, a little bit surprised that the team that he's looking at sending over to the 2000 guineas, Wichita, joins Arizona. Arizona makes sense. Wichita, I presume, will just be in as a pacemaker. But it's it's almost as though... A- would you presume Wichita? Oh, yeah. And- pacemaker. Really? Yes. yes. I there wouldn't. Just, there's a revelation. Emma Kennedy says Wichita's favorite. I'd I- say he's a very good horse in his own right. Wouldn't back him with counterfeit. Would you back him? Oh, I would be put off him. Well, did this he not is, run a really good race as you were, no? Nah, he did, but like... He's one of those that could be a totally different three-year-old. Yeah. I what? certainly wouldn't consider him a pacemaker. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out in the second week. I don't think they have any... How would they know what anything is going to be pacemaker unless they're doing whatever types of are races we, they're we doing at home? speculation and the dangers of speculation? <laughs> yeah, also, exactly. When That's- you were discussing... Um, when you were discussing about uh, epidemiologists and all the... You're like, if there's anything we've learned from the administration of Donald Trump, it's to be very careful as to the source of information you're getting. Jesus Christ. If you turn on one news station, they tell you we have a vaccine. And if you turn on another, they say we're going to have to live with this forevermore. So I actually, to talk about it, I'd say you'd have to be speaking to a doctor, Tony Hulin, or an actual medical expert, because I really wouldn't trust much of what you hear. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I, I yeah. have been reading stuff from actual medical experts and respected people, and it's made me quite scared. Uh, so I, and I've, I've kind of developed this thing of I'm turning off the news. It's like, there's no point in watching it. Nothing good is going to come from watching it. Just watch the briefings and, uh, and leave it at that. Um, I still don't think Wichita will win the 2000 Guineas, but I forgot that Ryan Moore wrote him in the Dewhurst. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I think hey. you forgot more than that. I think you forgot that he was very good last year. Ah, he was all right. I, I would still, so the rumor, according to Sky Sports Racing yesterday with Alex Hammond, is uh, that the drone couldn't keep up with Arizona, to which Geraldine said, I'd sack the drone driver if, uh, <laughs> if he can't do that. Yeah. But apparently he's, he's turned into a bit of a monster. Um, do you really think, Jane, that we're going to be able to have Irish horses run in the UK? Because 
uh, Jess has already alluded to it, the quarantine issue, like one of the reasons Joe Lyons is not going to send Shishkin to the 2000 Guineas, and he's adamant that he would have, is he couldn't possibly ask Colin Keane to then quarantine for two weeks. Well, the same would be the case then for traveling head lad for any state, or Jessica Harrington, Aidan O'Brien, traveling head lad. Guineas is guineas though. Mm. And Guineas is a stallion making race. And Coolmore want to make stallions and they have enough three-year-old colts to run at a mile to be competitive in both the Irish and English guineas. So I no doubt if they can travel, they'll travel. And enough staff, you'd imagine as well, to sort of quarantine and then not to have a big knock-on impact for the rest. Yeah, it's important. I know the the numbers of staff is obviously the first logistic you think of, but it's not every staff member will be able to go because 14 days away from your family mm. is, a, is a thing to think about. So they'll know all that and they'll have all that in their mind and it'll be up to the people themselves. Do you want to go and, and can you afford to take 14 days away from your family? Uh, and yeah. that's the question to answer. But I, I'm a huge Arizona fan. I think if any horse is going to beat Pinot Tubo, it's him. And he'll have his jockey based at Newmarket, so they don't need to worry about that. Yeah. So actually having yeah. Ryan Moore over in England, it seems to be a bit of a godsend for them. I saw a report. Unless Ryan opts to ride Wichita, the pacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting slammed. I'm getting slammed for that. So, wrong. <laughs> so we should look at the at the Betfair market then for, for the 2000 guineas, because I saw a report yesterday that said 65% of the bets in the exchange were all on Pinatubu. Sorry mm-hmm. if I stole your thunder on that one, Jess, but is that the case? And what is the yeah, market currently it, looking like? Yeah, that's what Barry came out with that. Um, and it's true. The market has been dominated by Pinatobo since, you know, the back end of last year. He's accounted for two thirds of the total volume. His price has been strong all year. He's 2.16 as we speak, which is six to five. Um, and there's no, he's kind of, there's been murmurs that he's, I've heard that he's not necessarily grown He's not as mm. spectacular this year as to look at. Well, he was never really spectacular. He's never really been anything to scream and shout about looks-wise. Obviously, looking at three-year-olds compared to two-year-olds, you want to see how they've developed, how they've grown. And looking at it will be the beginning of June as opposed to early May, what type of horses they've they've turned into. It's going to be that. This is the kind of hearsay thing that we were saying earlier. Um, and is Pinatobo still the horse that we... We left him as, you know, in terms of class and quality compared to the horses that are coming up. And agree with Jane, Arizona is that one that could fit the profile as a, as a true Bally Doyle horse that turns into a, a, just a better, stronger three-year-old. Um, he's 9.66, 9.66, which is 17 to 2. Um, and Kameko is behind at 17, so 16 to 1. And, and Palace Pier. 16s as well and there's a bit of a price difference beyond that um, with military march and the other 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 horses that i i'm really excited to see personally is threat uh, for richard hannon who will be ready you know if any trainer is ready to unleash his horses the moment first of june <laughs> comes that will be richard hannon and look if if the Irish horses can't come over, it's obviously there's less competition. It's less competitive. There's, you know, there's, there's less threat. Sorry for the pun. But, and him, and he would be my one. And I think, I think he could be bigger now if the, if the Irish horses are still contemplated, but if they decide not to, and they're going to keep them here for whatever reason, keep them in Ireland, whatever reason, his price will come in. Um, but yeah, you know, Pinotobi has been all the rage and, and you can't, you can't question why not. Yeah, he's such an exciting horse, Jane. And you and I were at the car the day he 
bolted up in the Vincent O'Brien National Stakes. That was one of the most stunning performances I've seen on a race course. That being said, that was as a juvenile. Now we're looking as at horses as three-year-olds. So if we go with the assumption, and first rule of law, never assume, but if we go with the assumption that Irish horses can indeed compete in Newmarket and that the the system that has been put in place will allow horses to run in, in the group ones. Um, you've already alluded to the fact that you're a big fan of Arizona. Does that mean that you would be taking Pinatubo on? Yeah, it's no fun taking, uh, uh, like I, I think Pinatubo probably put up the best two-year-old display I've ever seen in the flesh. Um, seeing him in the National Stakes, went to see him before he got saddled up and I echo what Jess said, he physically wouldn't blow you away, but he was he was ready, you know, he was really physically mature at that stage of his life. I think he reminded me a little bit of Too Darn Hot, who when I saw him come over for uh, for the Irish Guineas, he, he looked like a two-year-old. Um, and maybe didn't, he, he obviously went on to win Group 1s at 3, but he didn't really emulate the excitement that he showed at 2. Uh, Arizona, on the other hand, is a really masculine brute of a horse and he is a horse that you'd expect to improve and whether or not Pinatubo plateaued, disimproved or what but he did not emulate his national stakes performance in Newmarket in the Dewhurst Arizona got within two lengths of him in the Dewhurst whereas he couldn't get near him in the national stakes so I'm not sure what I what level playing field I take I don't swallow the excuse of the ground because I don't think Anone never would really appreciate soft ground either um, Kameko for me is is the derby horse threat mm. is gym crack winner champagne winner I think he's really overpriced considering Richard Hannon you know he can show before he can get a horse ready for the guineas he doesn't need a horse to run uh, uh, have a prep race God bless us and save us if somebody comes back after the race and says they needed to run oh my god Oof, that'll be uh, quite the f- that'll be quite the funny excuse to hear um, but yeah I'm a big Arizona fan I think this is going to be a big year for none and ever uh, and I think Wichita is going to be a part of that big year uh, so don't write him off just because Emma Kennedy said he's going to make the pace for Arizona <laughs> he sets out makes all falls in a hole and along comes Arizona and, uh, and, and, and takes the prize. In terms of the prepping of horses, so how horses are being trained, nobody has a better facility than Aidan O'Brien and nobody has a better eye than him. But there are some fantastic facilities in terms of the Curra and uh, brilliant trainers as well. Who, in your eyes, Jane, will be advantaged by this setback? Uh, nobody will be disadvantaged because obviously the Curra and Newmarket are public grounds so you can bring your horse to gallop there but I will say anybody who's been in Ballydoyle there is no better place in the world to train a horse uh, but we, we all know that Aidan likes to get race course gallops into horses I think in February the meeting of the Patton Stakes he actually did gallop horses who were intended to go to Dubai uh, in Dundalk uh, doubt many of his classic hopes were there but I know Anthony Van Dyke and Kew Gardens had galloped there with the view to going to Dubai. So Aiden would have had to adjust his training regime. He does like to take them away before they they get to their classics. But I think traditionally in the last couple of years, he's really good classic horses like Glen Eagles, like Churchill uh, and Saxon Warrior and, and, and Magna Grisha. They all went to Newmarket first run yeah. and scored. So I think if they're good enough, they'll score. But they might have a very very good horse to beat in Pinatubo. If Pinatubo translates his two-year-old form, he, he'll win. 
It's hard to disagree with that, Jess. What's your take on yeah. it? And, and what trainers do you feel will be advantaged by the disadvantage of the lockdown? <laughs> advantaged by the disadvantages. Let me just take a second and work that out. Um, I, I, like, it's so many questions because this is such an unusual situation. Um, and Jane is like the, the horsewoman. We'll probably be able to give, guide us more, but we're used to seeing May guineas 2000 guineas in in uk where horses are still like these these are babies really these mm. two-year-olds coming to three-year-olds are still growing they're still maturing but um aiden o'brien is brilliant at getting them just spot on for then for that made time and that's why we've seen just such a brilliant you know he's had churchill saxon Moria, magna grecia only the last three years they just get they're, pr- they're perfect right ripe for that time will two months later they still be perfect and the other horses in other yards still be needing it i don't know if they all caught up with them it's so hard to tell especially if you don't know how much work trainers are putting into horses without kind of having to second guess when this date will be um as i said i think richard hannon with his spectacular gallops as well um at heritage and at, at everly he is the kind of trainer I, and I kind of will repeat what, what Jane said, like he, he has a horse primed up for the guineas anyway. He's seen, you've seen it with the lights of King of Change. Went, it was a huge price. And this is a horse that is, you know, now favorite of the Queen Anne. He's, he, you know, he, he, he turned into a really good horse. He's the kind of trainer that I would be wanting to be on side with. Um, the looking at like the likes of Kin Ross, who's had a bit of market support with Rafe Beckett. He's just a trainer that you would, you'd kind of expect needs a, needs a run. You, you, you'd kind of looking for that, but you just don't know what they're doing with them at home and how they're preparing them. And now that they feel we've got a bit of time, it's being the 20th of May. Um, they've heard about, they know the guineas has been where it's been for the last week or so. Everyone's kind of in the same playing field now. Um, knowing with what they've got, but I, it, there might be differences. There might be horses that will come out based on it as well, with trainers wanting to have given them a bit of a prep run beforehand just to see, what, you know, see how they see how they fare. But it's a really tricky question, really tricky. But uh, look, Richard Hammond would be my my number one from a UK perspective, and he's a nice price threat on the Betfair exchange. So very much and. Look, he, he pushed Arizona very, very close when lacking experience in the Coventry stakes. And uh, they thought an awful lot of him was a juvenile. No reason to think he can't be a, a proper classic horse as well. Jane, what do you make of the, the current schedule? So it, it took a couple of days for Ireland to fully announce it, but and, and then to really formalize the whole thing. Um, so we have the 2000 guineas. Uh, the Coronation Cup has been moved forward from Derby weekend, and that will be part of, of 1000 Guineas weekend. So that all takes place on uh, the 6th and the 7th of June. And then on the 12th and uh, 13th, you have the 2000 and 1000 Guineas at the Curra, Friday and a Saturday. And then Royal Ascot keeps its position where, where it was. Is that almost a, a situation of... They didn't have much of a choice in that they didn't want to disrupt the the Irish and the British pattern. Um, and they were kind of in a position where they had to do something in order to maintain the Irish Derby's date. Honestly, Emmett, 
they had their hands were tied. Uh, I think they, they could have maneuvered a few days here and there, but they wanted to try and make sure that the Guineas horses could make the derby. And they're try, trying to obviously protect the, the classic generation. Um, the only thing that I was really surprised by was running the Irish 2000 on a Friday. What's that um, about? I honestly don't know. It's not a big, it's not, doesn't make a big change. Like I, I, I just, I thought it was an unusual and they might, they might have a reason for it. I, I don't know what that is. Um, but the, the, the real, like there's, there's 16 group ones between Britain, Ireland and France in June. And talk about from famine to feast. No. Um, the, the only question Mark I really have is Royal Ascot. You know, you, you'd traditionally love to have the Guineas horses go on to the St. James's Palace think it's achievable obviously for the new market runners but not achievable for the, the, the Irish horses that run in, in the caress so what, what what else could they really have done I think they, they've played their cards to the best of their ability Epsom is in, on the 4th of July uh, uh, so hopefully the Irish horses that run in, in the caress will get to there Jess what's your th- thoughts on it? Uh, uh, I mean it's uh, I feel ask it from day one has held stood their ground Mm -hmm. and said we shall not be moved um (laughs) and it was just okay um but you're gonna might have to move because like racing might not have to like might not have started we started by then so i thought that was all very interesting unusual approach and i think i even spoke about this on this show before about how you we really need a united front as opposed to jockey club says this bha says this and that and whatever and now they've been incredibly lucky, nearly, that they've been able to keep that race meeting at that time. And it's just about worked out with the way that racing's falling in the UK. But it's so tight, so tight that we're having these, you know, issues and arguments and chaos around the two-year-old program. That no Irish two-year-old, I mean, I, Jane, was saying that they're, they're, they're could be, there could be a couple there might be I don't I don't even know if there would be an Irish two year old coming over for the the Royal Ascot meeting um, and you know that's it's just a bit of a night I just feel like it's a headache it's a nightmare a lot of two year olds that you would have been expecting to see that you'd like to see like we had Pinatubu running in the Chesham Stakes last year and he had run they would not if it was this time last year what happened what's happening this year it was last year they would definitely not have put that horse in knowing you know they had no idea what he was made of he would have definitely needed a, a couple of runs and then they would have known what they had to, to play with now trainers are just gonna have to make assumptions based on what they've seen on the gallops could be anything it could be a morning glory you have no idea and horses are going to be judged on one run they've absolutely no experience that just drives me a little bit wild and worries me slightly. The rest of the program can happen at Royal Ascot fine, but it just seems like you could have moved it. You could have moved it a little bit. Um, the Irish classics falling in and around has to be the way it is, but we won't see them turn up at Royal Ascot. But going back to our earlier point, we're lucky to have what we've got. We'll make the most of it and we'll be watching. You know, we won't be complaining when it comes on. Yeah, there's going to be, I think that point about the asterisks around 2020 is an important thing. There's there's a huge opportunity here for racing. If we look on the bright side of it, and, and that's, believe me, it may not sound like it, but I'm trying to do that. The bright side of it is that there is no other sport, aside from the Russian 
face slapping contests that ESPN are now showing <laughs> in, in the States, which is wild, by the, the way. And the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga. No, and more not many people watching. <laughs> and, and more importantly, Marble Racing, which has now been sponsored by Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, which is extraordinary stuff, uh, which Kate Tracy has tweeted about quite a bit. Marble Racing is a thing and it's huge on Twitter. Uh, but this is a huge opportunity for racing to be front and centre and you would like to, like Sky will be covering Royal Ascot and it will be all over Sky Sports News because God bless them, they have nothing else to talk about. Like when you switch on Sky Sports News now, it's just one person and <laughs> they're just desperate for a story. Uh, whereas now they will be able to build up to Royal Ascot and, and demonstrate that and they can do special features over Zoom with trainers and various different things. That's very, very exciting for the sport. I presume, I would like to think that RTE will step in and do more. Uh, I assume ITV are going to do an awful lot more as well. So there's there's a huge opportunity for racing. I, I know that radio are going to do an awful lot as well. So there's a huge opportunity for racing to go front and centre. There is just the caveat that we probably need to be very, very grateful for what we're getting. And if it means that a lot of our horses will be racing in our own jurisdictions, that Irish horses will compete against Irish horses, UK against UK. We're just going to have to accept that and be happy with it. And look, that's what's going to happen in France for a while. I can't imagine, given the, the news, that France are going to open their, their doors anytime soon. We know they're not going to do it for the classics, but we kind of have to be just happy with the way it is, Jane. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think just talking about the... Royal Ascot two-year-olds. I wonder, you know, the way the Breeze Up guys have been hit so hard and it's been very, very frustrating for them. Because mm. see their two-year-olds, the graduates of the Breeze Ups doing really well at Royal Ascot because they were trained hard for their Breeze Ups mm. to happen well before now. They will be more forward than a lot of horses in training who are kind of waiting for the green light all of a sudden have got the green light and have been told you could potentially be running in Royal Ascot without a run. So you might have a, a little silver lining there, but going that's a, forward... That's a great show, by look, the way. Look at the positive. Yeah, well, hopefully, because I'd love to see uh, anybody with a breezer do well because it's been so mentally challenging, not to mention the pocket. Mm. So um, that's one thing to look forward to. The media coverage that racing will get. We have to be very careful, of course. We are now going to attract an audience that, traditionally might watch racing and we need to cater yeah. to them as well because I'm a big anorak myself and I can often come out with jargon that is comprehensible only to, to racing <laughs> folk and I know now that this is an opportunity to get people watching that maybe traditionally don't watch and capture an audience that would otherwise be watching GA or the Premier League so uh, yeah this is a huge opportunity and one not to be not to be missed. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, from a like our perspective, Betfair perspective, from every perspective, we know and we see an opportunity for racing, and it's so exciting. And every and like your average man on the street doesn't really mind or care if it's two year olds that have only run once or don't have much experience. They just want to see racing. They're just going to tune in because they've got not much else to do. And why? Don't we make the most of that and educate around that than anything else? Um, we won't get this opportunity again. We're usually competing in a very cluttered market space. So let's do what we can to try and make it less complicated and get bogged down with, but this is, this should be like that and that should be like this. 
it should just be plain simple. This is racing. This is what we've got at the moment. Um, come join in, watch it and hope you enjoy it because, you know, we're here beyond just now. We're here forever and, and, and we can get more we can get more fans enjoying it for that reason. I think Alex Hammond and Ed Chamberlain have both talked about how excited they are to not patronise existing fans, but to be able to introduce new fans into the sport. And and that's going to be brilliant. And I'm, I'm sure when Orta you're covering it, Jane, that's something that you'll be doing as well. That's going to be, that is going to be key because when you think about the fact that we were in lockdown and we had a Grand National that was a cartoon race and 4.8 million people watched it, there's an appetite there for sport. There's an appetite for live sport. And if you can give the viewers something that's real quality, then it can succeed. Yeah, sport is a release. And if ever people needed a release, their minds need a rest from the negativity and basically the seriousness that of that is real life. We need a release. We need a fairy tale. And sport isn't something that you can binge watch on Netflix. It happens in real time. It isn't something that you can predict. That's what we love about racing is it's so unpredictable. Um, and if, if Alex Hammond and Ed Chamberlain are, are looking forward to it, then I'm going to follow their lead. Um, just I see ourselves here we're surrounded by potential potential equine wise uh, and potential owners and not having answers is not fun yeah. you know you can pretend all you want but nobody had answers for a very long time we turned we tuned into the Taoiseach or the Prime Minister when they were making their announcements as if it was wartime we were tuning into Winston Churchill and and that was never before have we come across anything like that it was, it was a new we had to learn to live again I think we have to learn to live again just going out for a drive now is foreign to me um, because I, I went on a tank of fuel for two months because I didn't drive anywhere. Yeah, same I as me. I nowhere to go. I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. So this is very unusual times, but these horses have been kept in pristine condition by great people. And I think those of us representing the sport have a responsibility to make things happen in the best way possible and if we don't then step aside because there'll be plenty of people take your place how i learned to stop worrying and love the coronavirus is uh, a new film that'll be coming soon and probably should be the <laughs> the motto that that we have uh, the irish derby is going to be first in this in this new in this new world so belmont kind of pulled a, a crazy ivan on kentucky and went well if you're going to pull that stunt screw you we're going to go first and reduce our distance and the irish derby will be now in front of the derby um it's only going to be a week though jess so it's probably still only going to be attracting the the irish runners but it does give it a big opportunity yeah absolutely it's a funny one um you know, it's a bit like, well, it's just like the Irish guineas and the English guineas. You just, we're just used to one going following the other. So now it's just switched over. Um, you don't really, you, you don't really know, you, you don't really know what to expect tonight. I, again, I'd imagine because it's, it's the English derby and that's what everyone wants to win, that if they can, the Irish horses will pinpoint and prioritise that over this Irish derby. So will we see a weakened Irish derby? I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of sort of assume so. Um, but, you know, the likes of Mogul, who's the, would be the, the, the Kumal Ballydool um, number one, you would, you would assume they're going to make their priorities over in, at Epsom 
Um, he's currently 9.8, which is 9 to 1 for the Derby. Um, and look, he, he's got a cracking chance at like the, the Irish Derby. It just sort of plays out. It usually plays out well for those that needed a bit more time or um, weren't quite right for Epsom or they didn't want, you know, they didn't want to give them that challenge. So will it become a lesser race? That's what I sort of worry about. Yeah, it, it's in a difficult position similar to the Irish 2000 Guineas. And again, there wasn't a whole lot they could do about it, Jane, but they've, in keeping the date, that's great. But the fact that the Derby and indeed the Oaks is in such close proximity to it, you'd imagine that given the importance to the bloodline of the Derby, that that is still going to be the priority for most trainers and owners. Yeah, I think a lot will depend on how if Irish horses travel to Newmarket for the Guineas and how, how well that goes. And I think a lot of decisions will be made on the back of that. Um, obviously, Aidan O'Brien, Ballydoyle, Coolmore place both derbies in the highest of esteem, but they traditionally try and, and do the double, you know. Mm. Um, Camelot, Australia, and there's plenty of examples. High Shepherd. and even Dermot Weld, yeah. yeah. So to, to do a double this year would be impossible. Um, and I think it'll take shape after the Guineas. I think... Mogul for me is very, very, very good. But Kameko has the best form at a mile as a two-year-old. So he deserves to have the favourites tag for my book. Uh, Innes Free is very exciting. Um, Lopi Fernandez, uh, Royal Lytham. I think there's a couple of Glen Eagles calls mm. in there that are interesting. Um, not sure if Shechem will get the trip for Dermot Well in the Aga Khan, but a lot will play out after the Guineas. And I think the travelling arrangements will be deciphered and how well, or indeed not well, things go in Newmarket. So would do you think, Jane, that horses would stay in UK I don't think, come back? I don't think Aidan O'Brien would do that, I don't to either. be honest. Mm. I don't see him. I don't see him playing out that kind of thing. Like if you, this is one of the other things about the O'Brien team. So the the quarantine rules are individuals will have to quarantine for fourteen days, but Aidan O'Brien flies his horses in and out of Royal Ascot on a daily basis. So a Bally a Bally Doyle trained horse wakes up in Bally Doyle and flies to Royal Ascot and then flies back. So if you Take the Highland Reel incident where he arrived late to the track for the Coronation Cup and still won it. The reason was they were flying in. Well, how is that going to work for staff? Like, do you set up a, a mobile group of staff in the UK and leave them there? And then they transport around to the various different tracks that will be involved? Or how do you handle that? Like, that, that's, that's a confusing one. That's a question for the yard itself. I think every trainer will treat it differently. Um, and I know like some trainers particularly like the same. Like these people who are working with these horses, take for instance, uh, Siskin. Uh, I know Ger Lyons opted to not run in Newmarket because he didn't want to sacrifice Colin Keane. Well, perhaps he didn't want to sacrifice staff as well. Mm. Um, and, and people who work with uh, Mogul, they, they might necessarily be comfortable leaving Mogul in the hands of a stranger should he land in the airport in England? Um, I know people were considering running in the Newmarket Guineas and leaving the horse there f to run in Ascot. But I don't see Bally Doyle doing that. No. I absolutely under no circumstances see Bally Doyle doing that. No, Aidan O'Brien's yeah. too they, 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 they fly over as late as possible before the Breeders' Cup. Yeah. yeah. Some, some Irish horses fly over fortnight in advance. 
Mm. Yeah, that's true. And he's, he's 48 hours before, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. He, he makes it as, as late as possible. Does that mean then that we're going to be in a situation where Aidan O'Brien's not actually at Royal Ascot? Probably. Oh, there'll be nobody at Royal Ascot. <laughs> yeah. It'll, it's basically just going to be jockeys, grooms, and certain trainers, but that'll be Well, Barr, he's going to quarantine himself when he comes back into Ireland, which not absolutely hope. will not happen. Not a yeah. hope in hell. Um, I think they'd rather not, you know, if you don't need to be there, if you've got the the right staff able to do everything on your behalf it makes sense so this is going to this is going to be a fascinating one then because Donica O'Brien now is a trainer and spoke to us on the podcast a few weeks ago Donica was Irish champion jockey last season and in Ireland was the dominant force for Bally Doyle uh, it, I was doing an American podcast last week and I stunned the presenter when I said Shamie Heffernan and Wayne Lorden had 20 winners each last year so they're going to be, now, they're very, very talented jockeys, but essentially Ryan Moore is not going to be riding in Ireland. Not anytime soon anyway. So they will be stepping up into the, into Donica's shoes and into Ryan's shoes. And they are extremely talented jockeys, but what an opportunity it is for both of them. Yeah, that is the only way to look at it. It might be a sacrifice for one, but it'll open a door for another. They might have ridden... 20 winners last year but was one of Shamie's 20 an Anthony Van Dyke at Epsom yes it was mm. Mm. Yeah. and one of Wayne's was Hermosa was Hermosa in the 1000 guineas and didn't Patrick yeah. Beggy win so, the Irish Derby on Sovereign exactly yeah. so I think uh, I was only reading there Shane Foley, Foley has like for him it's a real disappointment because now he finds himself stable jockey to one of the most powerful yards in, in England or in Ireland. And I was going thinking of Jessica's Phillies this winter, thinking she's going to run one in France. She's going to yeah. one, run one in Newmarket and run in the And she theoretically could win three 1,000 guineas. And like now it seems Alpine Star can't run in, well, it won't be Paris, it could be Deauville. Uh, she theoretically is probably going to end up taking on one of her stable mates at the Curra. And uh, presumably Albina will go to the Curra and Milile will go to the to Newmarket and, and a British rider will ride Milile. So it'll, mm. it'll open up an opportunity for somebody. It's a, fast it's a logistical nightmare, it's a but it's a complete problem. Yeah. How many how many trainers have this problem? How many trainers have more than one or even one group one horse in their yard? How many riders have this problem? Yeah. Not very many. So if you're looking for sympathy, go elsewhere. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's again, it's just a case of the asterisk is going to be on 2020 and we have to make the best of it. Uh, just to, to touch on the juveniles again, the breeze up point that you made, I think is is an excellent one. And it's something that we're going to have to be looking at on the At The Races database about breeze up horses heading to Royal Ascot. They've widened the pool. There was a big backlash from the trainers and Aidan O'Brien was one of those. He was making the point that, well, I'm going to have to have a runner on the 8th of June and then hope the horse either finishes first, second or third, and then qualifies for Royal Ascot and is then okay to run. So that has been I- improved. Um, how do you see all of that playing out, Jane? I'm just trying to look up the dates of the breeze up to see if there's even one before Royal Ascot. Royal Ascot's the 16th to the 20th of June. Yeah. Goresbridge breeze up isn't on, until July. When is the Craven? Yeah, that, that the revised... Well, the revised Goths Arcana one is the 29th to 30th of June. So, okay, I don't, so I, as well. 
I don't know when the crazy. I was thinking that I was like, where are these lovely breeze ups? Where where have they been? Going to be on. Yeah, I know a lot um, of them have got sold privately. At well, time, I was thinking um, that. I was thinking you know someone something that we don't. Who are who are these private sold um, ones from Willie Brown and the well, likes that we need to follow? Wouldn't that be a lovely story <laughs> that somebody had the pair of cojones to go in off somebody's advice to buy yeah. a, a breeze up privately and, and end up being somebody because a lot of these horses are bred to be uh, excelling as, as two-year-olds and they've theoretically missed half their season and I know they're going to try and run as many two-year-old and juvenile races as possible but mm. there's only one Royal Ascot and it's going to happen in June yeah um, how, yeah. how is the breeze up sales 23rd of June 2020 <laughs> so, you know it kind of, it's kind of beside the point isn't it because you have these breeze ups so that they're literally spot on to go for the bigger races and they have that advantage but yeah, that's why the that's why Ascot could have moved back to have made it easier for the breeze up guys. Um, I I have a feeling yeah. for in the back of my mind there was an issue with Royal Ascot changing. There there was some complication with that, and and I don't think they could. So I think they were kind of boxed in anyway, and that they just decided right, well we're going to hold Matt Tough, and as you said, Jess, it, they've got lucky and it's worked out well for them. But it will be interesting to see how the whole thing ends up playing out. In terms of the bloodstock industry as a whole, Jane, how badly affected has it been? It's like every industry. When you stand still, you get passed out. (laughs) And Europe has stood still. Japan didn't stop. Australia didn't stop. Many states in, in America didn't stop. So we are essentially on the back foot. Um, everybody's made adjustments and I think everybody has accepted that values on horses will fall um, but good horses will still sell and provided uh, every racing jurisdiction tries to compensate their pattern and their program as much as possible then that'll provide opportunity but I would say from a breeding perspective I live in south of Ireland it's kind of the heart of national hunt country down here I know we're talking about the flat but coverings are coverings the studs have never been busier so I think people are taking the mindset better to have stock to sell than no stock to sell next year. And we are a resilient industry. I think we have to be because we we sell the dream. We have to keep dreaming. If we wake up, you may not excel in this part of the sport. Um, but it's it is. There's no point in on 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 saying it's tough. It's this and that. It's always been tough. It's just got tougher. And I think with the right people and the right contingencies in place, we will come out the other side of it, but it won't happen overnight. And the fact that, you know, the French have, have announced that their prize money is falling. I think the, the top tier down system is, is, is good, but it's not sustainable. Mm. Uh, there's going to be a lot of adjustments and it'll start, it'll start at the sales. We'll see a change and it'll, it'll end up on the racetrack. It'll come full circle. We've got through tough times before but this is just unforeseen. The talk here is the 10% of a cut to the lower end of prize money, 50% of a cut to the group one prize money, essentially. We have seen people like Katie Walsh make a, a big splash by selling a horse over the internet. So some people are adapting to it. Is, is that something that you're seeing more of as well, that it's a big thing in Australia? Yeah, and it's I a big people thing. people are becoming more proactive. Um, mm. The online sale in, 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 at Easter was a little bit revolutionary, really, because a lot of people tuned in because they didn't believe it would work. and 
it did. There was seven or eight horses made over a million and the clearance rate was good. Um, I think it's probably made trainers more proactive because their owners obviously couldn't come and see their stock. So they were having to be a little bit more interactive. Um, people have had to adapt in every walk of life. Yeah. Adapt or so die. I think why why is our industry any different? Adapt or die. And Jane's actually been on a brilliant series with Jack Cantillon has produced, um, which is kind of looking like seminars every week about the racing industry from bloodstock angles. And I think he sold, he's managed to sell a sh- sell all the shares in one of the horses that he put up as a... Um, a bargain with, breezer. Uh, yeah, something like the, there's been the bargain breezer and there's been a, you know, what to look at when your horse sort of walks um, or, you know, what to look up at the sales. And two of the, um, I think it was Mags O'Toole and it was someone else said, all love that his dandy man was his new bay, and he said, oh, I've got some shares of this to sell, and he's gone and sold it. I mean, he's so dynamic, he would be able to do something like that, but Brilliant. you're right, Jane, like you've, got to, you've got to adapt, you've got to be dynamic. There are The internet is a very powerful tool now, and brilliant. Australia are the first to go with the, the sales virtually. Um, Goss and the Arcana, Breeze Up Sale, merging online, they're all going to have to do that as well, and there's been some really interesting talk about how the Breeze Ups can adapt and give more to show and more to offer online because that's just the way that you're going to do it. But people are, it's going to be interesting to see how people financially are going to react. And a lot of people, a lot of business, a lot of people that usually buy horses are, you know, that aren't the normal horse traders, not, they're not breeders, they're not owners, they're not owner breeders, they're, they're, they're the more every man in the street who has a share in a syndicate or, you know, has, you know, has, you know, has had quite a nice year. So wants to buy a horse. Will those kind of people be still around? Um, and it's how we attract them through the power of things like the Royal Ascot being on with no other sport. We show them that it's accessible. We show them that buying a horse doesn't need to be an arm and a leg. We show them how we can keep, keep them in. Um, and we go from there. It shouldn't just stop. It just, you know, there's racing to watch. There's, you know, there's a world of opportunities when it comes to racing. Just before we wrap up, there's a couple of changes to the schedule. The Tattersall's Gold Cup won't be in its traditional spot. It moves to July and will now be open to three-year-olds. So it's probably a race that's needed a bit of a, a kick and an improvement. I have no idea if this is something that they'll stick with, uh, Jane, but it's an interesting move for them to make. Yeah, I actually like the Tattersall's Gold Cup in its uh, original slot because I think it starts off a couple of really good heavyweights. Magical mm. mightn't have been very competitive last year, but she's a star filly. Um, Al-Kazim a couple of years ago, Roger Charlton likes to target that race. I was looking forward to seeing Headman come over this year. Mm. Um, I think it's interesting that it's open to the three-year-olds, but really and truly the three-year-olds have such a jam-packed schedule anyway is it really going to enhance it'll only um really i think benefit from the fact that maybe it'll be easier to stay there rather than go for the eclipse or the judgment or something in britain that you don't want to travel to so opening it up to the three-year-olds it's fine but i always like to see a heavyweight in that race and this year it mightn't get that because it will be in the middle of a very jam-packed um schedule yeah, it's, it's a good start-off point, as you said. Roger Charlton's a, a big supporter of it, but it's a race that's had heavyweight Coolmore horses over the years. They've used that as a, as a starting block. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. 
And more importantly, Galway gets to go ahead. So, the, so you were talking about rumors and conjecture and fear mongering. Galway was part of that. There was a fierce risk that Galway was gone uh, and that if it was going to go ahead, we wouldn't have the Galway place and the Galway hurdle. Well, thankfully we do. And it will be a seven day festival. Obviously it'll be behind closed doors, but that's really good news for the racing industry, Jess, and very good news for the betting industry as well. It's huge in the cultural calendar, not just sporting calendar. Um, Nearly the whole country and um, kind of descends on Galway. I know Dublin <laughs> like to, um, and unfortunately they won't be able to. But it, it will be happening behind closed doors in in some capacity. And look, brilliant. A bit like Royal Ascot in the same night. Like, you know, we, there will be no question on what what horses and and, and what conditions that they're running in. But we know because of its prominence in people's mindset, regardless of. Of, of, of racing that people will tune in so when we talk about things like the guineas and the derby they're actually second in people and like the mass market mass media perception it's always about Royal Ascot like it's always about Cheltenham like it's always about Galway mm. that's what people will tune in to and that's the opportunity so great to have it um, great there's you know there's always so much racing at Galway um, and it's always matched by Goodwood as well which I assume and I hope will um, be on at the same time could do yeah it hopefully might, it might move it would, it would i wouldn't mind it moving so we can have we can enjoy one week and then another week there's <laughs> always a bit of a scramble um but look great to have it there it would make for a refreshing change if the folks at goodwood did decide if the nice folks at goodwood decided we'll go back a week that'd be absolutely superb thanks very much folks um uh, they'll be saying well galway should be moving back away no us, but look we're not gonna get into that no <laughs> um given the blow to to jumps racing jane it's great that the galway plate and hurdle will go ahead and and i imagine it will be well supported. Yes, it's going to be behind closed doors. If you want to have a session, it's going to have to be over Zoom uh, where we're all in each other's houses and doing a pub crawl in that regard. But in terms of the racing, I imagine that it will be heavily supported. I would say so, yeah. It, it's a bit It's a bit more than just a racing festival, isn't it? It's, it's a bit of a summer recess. Um, and unfortunately, they won't be there in person. But at the same time, two-year-old maidens are always very interesting. There's always some very good two-year-olds appear there. And I think to consider having the Galway Fest, the Gal and the Galway, you just having seven day without those mm. two key races. Because Wednesday and Thursday revolve around that. The amateurs get their chance on the Monday and obviously the handicappers unfortunate we won't be there. But at the same time, I don't uh, I don't miss not riding there, but I'm watching and I get locked in down in it's the day. So, it's so tight as well. It's, do you think, Jane, that they might reduce the amount of races? Because you'd imagine they keep it stretched out for the week because they know they're going to get the punters in. Um, and as you say, the Galway Plate and the Galway Hurdle are the main features and the other races sort of add you know, add more to what people are, are asking and craving for. Do you think that it will continue? They will uh, as plan to have as many races. Could, uh, decipher from Michael Maloney, the racing man or the race course manager's uh, statement is that it will go ahead as the original program. I think the demand from trainers and runners will be there. Uh, there's such a diverse range of races run at Galway. I think people will be starved mm. to run there. And considering while it might be a tight track, there hasn't been any racing there since in the last six months so the ground will be yeah. on, as you would expect in pristine condition so I, I'd say if you're running 
the seven day festival, they'll probably try and restore the original card. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird watching the whole thing from home, but I don't care because we have it and we have to look, we have it to look forward to. And, and that's as important as anything else. Um, with that in mind, what are you most looking forward to now that racing resumes touch wood with help of God in 2020 Jess? God, I just I'm so grateful that's happening. I, I, I don't know. It's that's such a difficult question. I'm I, I'm so fascinated by what we're that the the TV networks and all the broadcasters are going to do to try and make it more engaging and try and make the most of the opportunity. It's not going to be racing like we've ever experienced before. A lot of people that are usually able to go won't. Won't, won't won't be able to. I, I like I, I can't. I'm. I love nothing more than being in a paddock watching unraced two year olds walk around and making a pick. And I can't. Won't be. I won't do that now. There will be no chance of me being able to do that for the rest of the year. So I'm really anxious. So I'm really fascinated, excited to see what they've got up their sleeve. No pressure. Um, cameras on on site will be restricted. So. I have to adapt. That'll be interesting. Regardless of that, look, I'm so excited to see Enable back and hope that she's going to, um, as a, you know, in, in the, what, she's six now, like this is a even a, a great year for her. So uh, from a racing purist perspective, excited to see the horses that I've been looking forward to regardless of all these changes. But I'm really hopeful that we're going to be able to adapt and bring new audiences in a, in a really creative and exciting way. I love that answer. Enable, what a star. What a, what a story it is that she's back. Um, that'll put a smile on, on everyone's face, I think. Jane, for you, with the resumption of racing, what are you most oh, looking forward to? Oh, don't ask me to top that answer. <laughs> Jesus. See, you said yourself. All I, for, she, she said it, uh, Jess said, as in from bringing in outside audiences, that's the real answer. Yeah. That's what I should say. But I'm also really looking forward to seeing how the first season sires actually get on. We're really... This time of year, we usually have our minds made up. So <laughs> I think the Golden Horn three-year-olds, he had a winner in France the other day. I'm looking forward to see how they all get their mark. Ade, Ade, Ade Jane, Ade. Ade, and Ade, Ade. But they don't let anybody out. Yeah. It, it is usually a, re- it's a complete diverse market of its own, um, the, the first and sire market. And um, considering we're seeing how it's getting on in America. We, we'd like to see it hit the hit the ground here. And I know Gokken has got off to a great start in France. Who saw that coming? So mm. it might be an unexpected one, but yeah, once we get once we get up and running, I think it's going to come thick and fast. If anybody complains, just get out. We don't want to be listening to yeah on deaf ears. We're, we're back. That's the important thing. Uh, Pat Smullen was raving about yeah. Shala. That's who he thinks is going to be the the big star. Mm. Well, well, yeah. well, his horses he- did. Expensive them. Yeah, got the best that's there. so obvious. And they were they're most expensive. They did the best at, at, as like as yearlings. It's the under the radar ones that you look forward to. Um, the dandy man's types that you just like really okay. Um, I totally agree. I'm really excited to see. I'm fascinated to know. On the first week we're back when we've got two races, what are the best horses that each yard are kind of ever made assumptions on based on their work at home, and how that's you know, reflected in their pedigrees. Are there any first season size out of that? Because look, we, we're 
we're assuming those are the ones that they want to the test early on to be able to race at, at Royal Ascot. So that first week and those first days of two euro races, and we've got what like four. Um, but you you just know that. Kingmans and Noni Nevers are going to dominate. Yeah. So it might be a little bit anticlimactic. I know, I know. But how are they even going to distribute? Like, they're going to, there's going to be balloting out, there's going to be divisions, and I just don't know how they're going to work all of that out, how they're going to be able to put preferences. It's going to be frustrating for people who have already been frustrated, but I Mm. think it's unavoidable. There's been such a backup. Uh, All they can do is run as many races as they can. Yeah. And try and solve it in some way. I, we're going to have to get to a point where we just have a, a race card that is entirely devoted to two-year-olds. I'm almost surprised that hasn't we, been done yet. We we do that. We do that. There's a race meeting at Newmarket, which is usually at the back end of the year. That's entirely devoted to two-year-olds and there's nurseries and things in it. But I think there's yeah. a race meeting in, in Nace as well. It does that at the end. Did they not change yeah. that Newmarket meeting? Because I remember that before. And Did they not change that, Jess, and then start throwing in handicaps? Not nurseries, but handicaps as well into it and messed Maybe. it up. Maybe. I remember traditionally, we always liked that meeting. I always yeah. love that meeting. I love I'm that meeting. Two-year-olds. Um, but yeah, yeah, they should. Well, they should have had the, the whole first week should be two-year-old races because, you know, seeming if it, it's all about Royal Ascot, which it seems to be, most of the three-year-old and older horses could possibly go in without a run, whereas the two-year-olds might need, they, they definitely do need one. Um, but look, it's interesting. The other well, other point worth flagging, which I've heard about, is that um, handicap horses that don't currently have a handicap mark. Um, who've run twice and obviously you need to have run three times to get a handicap mark will get a handicap mark but only <laughs> if only if if they've come at least sixth in both those runs so if you've come fourth and third you'll get a handicap mark if you've come seventh and second you won't can we get um, Davy very- Russell on a horse so to to finish sixth in a handicap <laughs> or in a race to qualify for handicap then that's the man for the job well, I think that only meet, that that only applies to the flat Jess Is that yeah 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 sorry, oh, no, that's, that's what I mean just transfer <laughs> I mean, him to the flat I mean, put, get Davy oh, on yeah, a flat yeah, horse Russell might want to cut off a limb to be able to do a flat well race. yeah anything trained by Sir Martin Prescott <laughs> Sir Martin Prescott Davy Russell 101 <laughs> to finish sixth sneaky <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't know where they've come up with that, but look, they have to come up with something. I know that I do know that a lot of the BHA handicappers all furloughed. Um, there's one left. Um, so we've got, we've got a horse that was, we know, I know this because we've got a horse that was second, um, at the back end of last season, but had finished seventh the time before. So he doesn't get a handicap mark. And it's a disgrace. Look, we're going to have to try and we're just going to have to try and find another maiden or whichever for him. Um, but these three-year-olds who are kind of on have raced once and now have a program which is I don't know how long the three-year-old program will last because usually it kind of sort of de- like kind of weakens out after Royal Ascot. You have the Jersey Stakes and three-year-old only races. There aren't as many of them, mm. so look, there's so much left to be planned and left un- un- kind of untold at the moment so fascinating to see how they're working on it do not envy anyone doing it um, but very curious to, to see when it all comes out I, I will say this it's very easy to be a Monday morning quarterback but I don't envy those who have to make the decisions about res- resuming racing and the planning of races as well and I applaud the work that has been done but I'm fully in agreement with Jane that 
there were far too many questions left unanswered for far too long earlier on. But hey, we can look forward now. We can look forward. It's back. It's on the way. And on Friday, I'll be joined by Declan Marr and Mr. Barry Orr as we look at ways to maximize betting on the Betfair exchange. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Two of the very best in the game. And next week... We're going to be looking at horses to follow in the UK and horses to follow in Ireland as the season has been kind of thrown up into the air. So we need to relook at the divisions and look at key horses from Ireland and key horses for the UK. We're recording on Tuesday and Friday. Uh, Declan Ricks is back for one of those shows. And then once the racing calendar resumes, we're back to normal Tuesdays and Thursdays, Mondays and Thursdays, I should even say, for the final front podcast. Uh, whatever. Who knows? Well, there's 72 hour decks as well now. Did you see that? I did, so you which, is great to news. <laughs> which is great news. All the previews. Sunday, yes. And Wednesdays, <laughs> recording with the seventy-two hour decks is a, is a good shout, and it's nice to see. And uh, look, we're we're back in action, and um, we have the French Guineas to look forward to, and Victor Ladorum landing as a massive gamble. We keep the faith. Uh, are you keeping the faith, Jess? No, I will do just for this, just for the, and I'm not going to say it in French, the pool de, uh, does something, the French 2000 guineas, just, I'm going to just for that. I think that he can be forgiven for that run. I'm not so sure about Sotsas. That pronunciation was as bad as anything. I would be the opposite. You, you, would, really? be, you would be against <laughs> him, Jane? Just to me controversial <sighs> nah I don't know what's going to beat Victor Ladorm considering we won't have international competition but I think Sutsas off a pedestrian pace was held up near last and we know he's not a sprinter I would I would think he'd be the value bet next time yeah I'd agree with that yeah and he yeah. goes for the pre that, next yeah. so hopefully we'll get and a bit which of a price isn't a hard like as group ones go the Ghana is winnable yeah. And they he he's the one that won't get any international competition at all. Yes, um, there's, exactly. there's really a weak division over in France. So, and I'd imagine you're right. I imagine I don't know where Earthlight is in the, all the proceedings because he's the only other three-year-old to I, take competition. I just competition don't see him staying a mile. Is that fair? Is that ridiculous? Well, uh, no, I'd agree with that. I think he's he's a seven hur- seven fur- seven furlong seven furlong max horse. I'd be looking. Yeah, I mean, between yeah, him uh, and Victor Lador, yeah. Would they run against each other? It doesn't look like it. It would be unusual. And to be fair to Laurent, he messaged, like, he was devastated that Sotas and um, Sotas and, oh, and yeah. uh, Victor Lador got beaten. But he sent me a message before he sent this big, long message about how, oh, I'm so sorry about the sources that got beaten. And I'm like, hey, listen, if you throw a dog a bone, you don't want to know how it tastes. It doesn't like, you're just giving an opinion. It's fine, mate. Don't, don't be feeling bad. But he said, the first thing he said to me was, back Victor Lador for the French 2000 guineas. That price is obscene. So I gladly took the four to one from Betfair. Thank you very much, Jess. <laughs> and then topped up again. <laughs> so hopefully we're right. And, uh, and we'll uh, be swimming in gravy after he wins live on Sky Sports Racing. There's so much to look forward to. And um, yeah, plenty of final front podcasts coming your way as well. Declan Marr and Barry or up next on Friday. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to both of you. Uh, Good to hear that Jane is out and about in the fresh air. Great to hear from her mayor as well, chiming in, agreeing with her. Uh, Jane, looking forward to having you back on the show again soon. Thanks, guys. Please, God, we'll get back soon.
Absolutely. And stay safe. And Jess, pleasure as always. Fantastic input and looking forward to chatting to you again very soon as well. Thank you, Emmett. And to everyone else. And thank you for listening. Thanks for all the kind words, especially uh, to the Fergal O'Brien podcast. If you haven't listened, we've got plenty of In Conversation podcasts with Pat Smullen, Dunnick O'Brien, uh, Fergal O'Brien. They're all there for you to listen to on the At The Races Final Forum podcast page and indeed on Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, Joe Rogan just announced that he's going exclusive to Spotify, which a lot of people complained about. I don't quite know why. It's still going to be free. You can listen to it as much as you want. But if you didn't know, the Final Forum podcast is on Spotify and uh, they have become almost level with Apple in terms of uh, dominance, in terms of audio. So you can listen to us there as well, uh, gladly. We're nowhere near Joe Rogan, but you know, we're slowly clawing our way there. And uh, we lead the way in the racing jurisdiction and we'll happily take that. Uh, thank you for all the support. Thanks for listening. Uh, well done to our winners of the mugs. Check out your name on the Facebook page and we'll do another competition next week uh, from Jane, from Jess and myself. We'll chat to you on Friday with Declan Marr and Barry Orr. Talk to you then. God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange, proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.